0: Message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know Him and make Him known. Well, good morning. 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 Appreciate the chance to bring this message to, to you this morning. Give a little history. Um, when I was 11, 11 or twelve, I actually thought I wanted to be a preacher. Well, fifty years later, I'm delivering my first sermon. <laughs> so, please let me know if I should wait another fifty years after. That. Now, recently, about six or seven years ago, I uh, I brought our car into the mechanic shop. And we needed some brake work, uh, tire repair, or, or something. At any rate, required that we that the tire, one of the tires, had to be removed. After it was done, I went picked up the car and I proceeded to drive off off to our shop. So I pulled into her alive. just as I'm ready to come to a stop. The wheel fell off. Now I don't have to tell you that the consequences of that could have been really disastrous, but it wasn't, fortunately. Now, who of us really gives much thought about luckiness? Not if you lie awake at night thinking about that. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But you know, when it comes to the safety of the driver and his passengers, properly secured lug nuts are a very big deal. Sometimes seemingly insignificant things are of absolute necessity. For some of us, forgiveness may not seem like a big deal. Some may not think it to be important, some may not care. And there's those that have been badly hurt, and it's, they just can't let go and forgive. The Jesus teaching tells us a much different story. Forgiveness is a big deal. So, why must we forgive? First point I want to make is because Jesus commands forgiveness. Let's open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 21. This is known as the parable of the unforgiving servant. Verse 21 and verse 22. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but seventy-seven times. It was uh, rabbinic teaching in that day that a man must forgive his brother three times. This was based on various passages from the book of Amos, and from that, from this it was deduced that God's forgiveness extends to three offenses, and He punishes after the fourth offense. It was not to be thought that a man could be more gracious than God, so forgiveness was limited to three times. At first glance, Peter's suggestion of forgiving seven times may, be, may seem stingy, but in light of the rabbinic teaching that I just mentioned, it was actually a pretty, pretty generous proposal. He takes the traditional three times, he doubles it, adds one for good measure. Brings us to seven. Seven is a holy number to the Jewish people, symbolizing perfection. Or completion so Peter really kind of kind of thought that out somewhat well at least from our perspective Jesus replied though I tell you not as many as seven but 70 times seven 70 times seven or some translations will read 77 times the number is not important The point is, Jesus is calling us to unlimited forgiveness. And who can truly forgive if you are keeping track of the number of times you are forgiven? Jesus makes the point again in Luke chapter 17, 3 and 4. There he says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins again, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Okay, so our grandson, Leo, cute little guy, (laughs) three and a half years old, he talks a lot. Half of which I have absolutely no idea what he's saying, but what what do most three- and four-year-olds say all the time? Why? You tell them to do this, why? You tell them not to do that, why? And what do most of us parents at some point or another respond to their kids when they do that? Because I said so. (laughs) Well, as a parent, sometimes we need to have logical, reasonable conversations with our kids. But there are times when we simply have to say, because I said so. And that needs to be enough. That's part of teaching our children surrender and submission. And sometimes God gives us instructions, and we won't like them or want to do them. But part of our lives of surrender and submission is to obey them. John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. Forgiveness may not always be about us or about the person we're forgiving. Sometimes it may simply be a practice of surrender and submission to Jesus as Lord. Forgiveness is a big deal. So, again, why must we forgive? A second point. Because we have received forgiveness. Let's continue on. Uh, Back in Matthew 18, now verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children... And everything he had, he sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii, He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you. I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. Okay, so to understand this passage, you need to understand a couple of things. Uh, first of all, what what is a talent? A talent was monetary value. A talent is equal to the equivalent of 16 to 20 years worth of wages for a, a common day laborer in that day. So this servant owed his king 10,000 talents. That's equal to from 160,000 to 200,000 years' worth of wages. There's no way anyone could pay such a debt. No one. 300 to maybe 600 talents was like a typical budget for an entire province that day. By comparison, 100 denarii was a equivalent of 100 days' wages for a common laborer. We all owe God 10,000 talents. There's no way we can repay this debt. We all deserve debtors' prison. But praise God for sending His Son to pay our debt. In Romans 10, verse 9, we read, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So in response to God forgiving us, what should our forgiveness to others look like? I've got a couple examples. The first one owner is from a a section from Corey Tinboom's book, The Hiding Place. Now for those of you who don't know, Corey Tinboom, she was a watchmaker in the Netherlands in the 1940s under German-occupied Netherlands, her sister, father, and other family members would hide Jews and help them escape uh, the Germans in the concentration camps. And they eventually got caught, arrested, and they were sent to concentration camps. There, they endured untold horrible misery. From her book, or the late Corrie Ten Boom recalled in her book, I'm reading from Ken Hughes' book, quoting her book, the late Corrie Ten Boom recalled in her book, The Hiding Place, a both swore meeting with a guard from the Ravensbrück concentration camp, where her sister had died, and she herself had been subjected to horrible indignities, She writes, it was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensburg. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came to me as the church was emptying, beaming, and bowing. How grateful I am for your message for he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people in Blumenthal the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me. Help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing. Not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. Forgiveness is possible for the most grievous of wounds. If you, are, if you are a Christian, regardless of the wrong done to you, you can forgive. By kind permission, I have another story. Susie Nichols is living proof of this. I'd say it's fair to say she's had a difficult life. And Susie knows she is a sinner and is saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ. Susie has a son who was murdered. The man went to prison, and Susie went to see him. He asked her to forgive him, and she gave him her forgiveness her son's murder. She would tell you of the peace that she has. She holds no bitterness towards him. She's a beautiful picture of the grace of God. First John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness is a mark of our understanding of how we have been forgiven. If we want to grow and mature in our faith, We need to realize the nature of our need to be forgiven and how God has met that need through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. When we forgive without reservation, we get to be like Jesus in a tangible and productive way. Forgiveness is a big deal. So again, why must we forgive? Third point is because forgiveness is destructive. Because, excuse me, that's not quite right. Because unforgiveness is destructive. Going back to Matthew eighteen, starting at twenty-eight, that servant went out and found one of his own fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master and everything that had happened Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Pretty heavy stuff. The forgiven servant shows absolutely no compassion for his fellow servant who owes him a hundred denarii. Remember that was a hundred days wages. If, he had given the, if, he, if that servant had been given the time, he certainly could have paid back that, that debt. All he needed was a little mercy. The first servant, the forgiven servant, was just forgiven 200,000 years worth of debt, but shows no gratitude for the king's forgiveness. No grace to his fellow servant. again in verse 32, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. Jesus tells us that unforgiveness carries a carries a high price tag. Torture. You know, scientific research has verified the destructive influence unforgiveness has on our well-being. Let's take a look at some of the consequences of unforgiveness. It affects our health. John Hopkins' study shows that negative emotion like anger and resentment take a great toll on our bodies. Unforgiveness is linked to higher incidences of stress, heart disease, high blood pressure, lowered immune system response, anxiety, depression, and other health issues. Sounds like a great party, doesn't it? It poisons our personality. When we refuse to forgive, our anger will, be, will turn inward and become deep-seated. We become bitter. Our words are harsh and biting. We inflict pain on the people around us. We become ugly. The kind of person no one wants to be around. Hebrews 12, 15. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble, and defiling many. Unforgiveness goes on to affect our marriage, our friendships, and our jobs. Here's a big one. Unforgiveness becomes a generational curse. Research shows parents' unresolved issues pass on to their children. The sins of the father are the sins of the sons. Bad attitudes, words, actions pass on to children. Do you really want to let your unwillingness to forgive to cause problems to to your children, your grandchildren? It distances us from God. On the other hand, when we forgive, we are never closer to God than when we do forgive. old saying, to err is human, to forgive is divine. We can't use the book kind on... Of The Sermon on the Mount, he he adds to that. To not forgive is demonic. And then again in verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to you, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Now earlier in Matthew and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he taught his disciples how to pray. How to pray. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer. In that prayer, he teaches us to pray, Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Or Luke's version, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. St. Augustine called this request the terrible petition because he realized that if we pray, forgive us our debts or sins, as we forgive our debtors or those who have sinned against us, if we've done that with an unforgiving heart, we are actually asking God not to forgive us. Jesus goes on to say at the, at the end of the prayer, explaining, he said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That in Matthew five verse seven, he says, "Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy." James, the half brother of Jesus, wrote in the book of James, "For judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment." It seems we pay a high price for unforgiveness. So, reflecting on this parable, and particularly verse thirty-five, and and on Jesus' statements in Matthew six on forgiveness, again going back to Kent Hughes, Kent Hughes says this is a jarring statement: "If we will not forgive, we are not Christians." This is a frightening statement. But it is true, for when God's grace comes into our hearts, it makes us forgive. We demonstrate whether we have been forgiven by whether or not we will forgive. So if I refuse to forgive, there's only one reason. I'm outside grace, and I am myself unforgiven. Now, this warning is not for those... Who have struggled with bitter, struggled with forgiveness, who have found bitterness and hatred kind of recur from time to time, though they have forgiven the offender. The fact that you have forgiven and continue to forgive is a sign of grace despite the imperfections of your forgiveness. Now the warning is for those who have absolutely no desire to forgive. Their souls are in danger. There may be also some who find forgiveness difficult because they've just recently been offended and are still in such emotional shock that they just can't respond to it yet. To forgive doesn't mean we have to be best friends with the offender. We don't have to like them. We don't have to necessarily be around them at all. To forgive us, to release them of their offense. To. Yeah, to release them of their offense. The overall lesson is if we are Christians, We can forgive, and will forgive, however imperfectly it may be. So as you can see, the consequences of unforgiveness is really a big deal. So, why do we forgive? Because Jesus commands forgiveness. We obey Jesus in an act of surrender and submission. Because God forgave us an unpayable debt, we respond out of gratitude for His mercy and grace. And because we, and third, because we wish to avoid the destructiveness of unforgiveness and seek a closer relationship with God, these are hard statements, but God means what He says. Examine your heart. Again, in Hebrews twelve fifteen. make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.